Good afternoon, folks. What's going on? We're back. Just like Mark Zuckerberg, the lizard man himself. We've always been here. We never left. Fraser Crone, how you doing today, sir? Yeah, like you said, we've had a couple of weeks break, but now we're we're back. We're, uh, we're you know, we weren't allowed in the, uh, it, no media was allowed at the UFC this weekend. So we thought, you know, we'll have a couple of weeks off from the podcast, but we're back this weekend. So uh, yeah, we're, we're back on your screens every Monday for uh, the table. Oh yeah, if the media is banned from the Apex, we figured what's even the point? We're not going to bother with any of that. So it turns out, this is the thing with Mark Zuckerberg, is that I feel like with the UFC and and, and Zuck himself, there's never any just like, there's never any, we're just going to do this for fun, and it's a cute little thing. There's always an ulterior motive to everything that they're doing. So what is Facebook and the UFC doing together? What is, and it turns out like AI programmed lizard robot do actually like MMA, so that's a great conclusion, and that's what I always assumed. But what is going on with Facebook and the UFC? Is there something here? I, 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 yeah, I'm lost for words. I mean, I personally, <laughs> quite literally, lost for words. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't agree with it. With closing the whole down the whole event from. I know, obviously, it's at the apex. So there's a, a limited number of fans in there anyway. Yeah, it's like 200 or something like that. I yeah. think 200 maybe is generous, actually. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to close it down to fans and media, maybe just close it down to fans. You know, media are professionals. They're there to do a job. They're not going to be umming and ahhing and, and fanboying and fangirling over Mark Zuckerberg. But be you've honest. been in you've been in press row. You know what you're saying is not true. <laughs> well, yeah, I said, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I get, I get, I guess. But the kind of people I guess that get credentialed for the Apex events, obviously, it's much a much smaller. You get the the the, the bigger name media outlets. That, it's like a Kevin Ioli would be there, not not for sure, like, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. I just don't quite understand. And then you had Mike Davis having a fan in his corner. I mean, it's just, it's, it's kind of ironic in a way. But no, I is there something between the UFC and Facebook? I wouldn't be surprised. They've now got this, this trainer deal with The Rock, which came out of absolutely nowhere because The Rock is, you know, let's be honest, he's an Under Armour athlete. Yes. And now suddenly, you know, Venom is the, the UFC um Brand, not sponsor, but the, the UFC sort of brand, and 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 yet now we're having Under Armour shoes. It's it's hopefully trending in the direction of kind of wear what you want, but you know the shoes as Nate Diaz says they suck, but it's uh, it is what it is. But yeah, I personally, what are we just gonna sort of, you know, there was rumours in the week that it might have been Donald Trump going to the to the event, which is why why there was no fans and no media now that I can maybe understand there absolutely yeah I guess more controversial views than Zuck in my opinion but um, yeah I what are we just going to sort of sell off rights to the to the events to the to the highest bidder kind of thing now you know I left a bit of a sour taste in my mouth I you know because realistically Zuckerberg can have his robots and his 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 team just buy out the whole of what you know what next is he going to just buy out the whole of Madison Square Garden for UFC 281? Like, but where do, where do we draw the line at this? It's it's difficult to uh, to work. But hopefully, you know. And from my memory, Zuckerberg has never shown an interest in MMA until about a month ago when we had that <laughs> clip of him released. You know, Paddy Pimblett called him out, and that's a fight I want to see. But that, because that that you know suddenly now Zuckerberg is. Uh, He's in, he's in the combat sports game. But yeah, aside from that that sort of 30 second to a minute clip that we saw about a month ago of him training, I've never seen him show any interest in MMA before that. So uh, it was an odd one for me. But of course, you got the, you know, you got the the Dana White picture with, with Zuckerberg to, to spark this kind of debate. And I'm sure, you know, other MMA podcasts will discuss the the you know what why was this such a significant thing and maybe we'll look back on this in a few years when you know you go back to the facebook prelims and you know the prelims are aired live on facebook perhaps you know you never know but yeah yeah that was that was the old deal right yeah exactly and but I, I can't see that happening they make too much money off sort of fight pass you know i pay what 60 pounds a year for fight pass to watch yeah. the prelims on it and then bt sport subscription on top of that yeah i can't see it going back to free to air on Facebook, they're, they're, the UFC is too big these days. You know, the Facebook deal was good when they were still building their brand, still trying to become mainstream. But let's be honest, 
the UFC is mainstream now. It is MMA. Yeah. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And like I think I think it would move backwards in a sport that's always craving legitimacy, just to be like, yeah, we, we were on ESPN, but now we're just see us on Facebook. I think that would be a backwards move in terms of legitimacy, viewership. Be damned. That doesn't matter. It's about looking legitimate. Yeah, for sure. And. I'm not even sure if there is any significance to Zuckerberg. Maybe he was just in Vegas. But it seems strange to have almost booked it in a week ahead to say, yeah, there will be no fans and no media. You know, at the end of the day, this sport is made on fans. This sport is made on on media. The media create the hype for all of your pay-per-views, all of your fight nights. Without the media, the pay-per-view, in in my opinion, without the media, your pay-per-view numbers are considerably reduced. Because you don't have people tweeting out, you know, like like ahead of UFC 280. I know you're obviously you'll be attending in person, which is which is quality, and I'll be all over our YouTube channel, all over MMA Sucker to post in little snippets here and there. Yeah, and you know you've got people like Brett Okamoto, the guys at BT Sport, Adam Castle and Nick Pete sitting down to do interviews with the fighters. Without these guys, you don't get the sound bites that you can then build. You know, backstage, uh, when I worked at the PFL last uh, couple yeah. of months ago, I interviewed Kayla Harrison and she said, look, let's use elbows. Now, I posted that interview on our on that, that post-fight interview on our uh, YouTube channel. It's got almost a 1,000 views. So yeah. that means that almost a 1,000 people, without that, a 1,000 people wouldn't have heard the, what Kayla Harrison has to say. And at the end of the day, the, the media are the ones that get you the sound bites for in order to hype your fight, you know? Yeah. You wouldn't get the, who the fuck is that guy, without the media being there asking the questions. Because, you know, you do a press conference to just fans who, they don't ask, you know, fans are interested and you've got very, you know, legitimate fans that know the questions to ask or are interested in the questions. But they're more, you know, how are you going to knock him out? What's next after you knock him out? And the media asks the questions that you want to find the answer to, realistically. Yeah. And to just completely disregard the media and disregard the fans this weekend was a little, like I said, it left a little bit of a sour taste in my mouth, but luckily the card was, the card was pretty decent. Well, before we get to the card, let's break down some of the weird stuff. There's like, so Dwayne, the rock Johnson and his shoe deal and the fighters not quite getting a cut of that. I, I, I agree. It's super weird. But one thing to note is that Dwayne, the rock Johnson, at least for the last 10 years, maybe he's moved on now, but he was a he was managed by Endeavor. At what point do we look at this as like, this is just weird. But you remember when he gave the BMF title to Jorge Masvidal? Yeah, he was a WME. He was an Endeavor-managed actor. Nothing here. Like I said, there's no ulterior motives to anything. That they, or sorry, there's only ulterior motives to everything that the UFC does. <laughs> it's always dirty. There's never like a, there's never just like, oh, The Rock is cool. No, they're owned by the same guy. They're owned by the same company. I think maybe The Rock has moved on now and... I don't know if they've severed ties, but in 2020, he was at least still an Endeavor managed person and he was with them for 10 years. So they were, there was some crossover there. But I think this is a product of doing shows in the Apex, which has always been, uh, for COVID, it made a lot of sense. You guys have a gym there. It costs nothing for you to manage it. It's a great idea to keep shows alive when everything else is closing down. It hasn't been COVID for like a year and they're still doing shows in the Apex because it's cheap. And I think now you're going to see sponsorship shows like this. Like if you were doing a corporate retreat for your like Xerox or whatever, or Facebook, and you're just like, you know what? I'm going to treat 200 employees to a UFC show. I'm going to rent out the entire apex. It's kind of a cool thing to do. Honestly, I think we're going to see more and more of that. And I don't want that because I don't really care about the apex. I think it's a really lame event. I think it always comes off kind of flat at this point. It was really cool at first. And I really liked it at first, but after so many shows, why don't you guys do like the, it's so weird. Like even when they were doing dumb shows in like dumb little towns, like a like a Midwest Little Rock, something like that, five thousand people in the audience, whatever. That's a grassroots show that you guys are doing to support fans to really grow the sport. Now you're gonna do it to two hundred rich guys in Vegas. Just come on, this is lame as hell. This is so boring. I think you don't want the sport to go like, and it's it's such an expensive sport anyway. You don't want this. Do you want it to be a high class sport or do you want to keep the nitty gritty of like the Midwest and the, the poor people? Uh, it's a difficult one for me. Yeah. We back? Yeah, we're back. Oh, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's a difficult one for me because I, I, I genuinely think that why 
or we, I generally think we have to ask the question, why are we not going back to, not, you know, not every fight is going to be a stadium fight. Let, let's, no. let's be honest now. We're not, we're not going to MSG every week. We're going once a year in November annually and have done since, obviously we had the one year that we missed out on that, but we have done since, what, 2015 when Connor beat Eddie. But you can tell the difference between uh, uh, an arena fight, which is, you know, the UFC have gone to the UK, gone to the O2 twice now, to one phenomenal show and one really, really good show. The second show, obviously, still got a lot of talking points. Paddy Pimblett, Molly McCann, Nathaniel Wood, the injury in the main event. You know, and we're still doing, we're still putting on events in... In in arenas, but why are we not doing? Why have we not gone back to doing this every single week? And I think it alludes to what we're saying. It's it's money. It's it's yeah. the the monetary that they they are trying to save money. This card at the weekend, with the greatest respect to the guys on it, this was a money saving card ahead of UFC 280. Next week is arguably one of the weakest fight nights I've ever seen. And, and you like the people. I know you and I. We like the people on the card. You and I. I you know the main event is is fascinating. The, the, there's a couple of fights that are also on the card. You know that are really really interesting fights. But it's a money saving card. Yeah, this weekend is a money saving card. With the greatest respect, opening up the main card this weekend, Mike Davis versus Borshev. Okay, that is a prelim fight. Mike Davis coming off a, a over about a year and a half layoff. Borshev coming off that dominating loss to to uh, Mark Jacuzzi. You know, you had someone like Randy Costa who's a fan favourite opening is. up the card. Yes, he's on a couple of losses, but he's opening up the card. Yes. You know, you've got Brendan Allen on there. You've got Elliot Latifi on there. And you've got, you know, Randy Brown, Francisco Trinaldo as a co-main event. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> you know, and I know Mackenzie, look, Mackenzie Dern, we'll go on to talk about the main event now, but Mackenzie Dern is a, is a good... Quite a big name, a really good fighter. Yeah, but should she be? She should be headlining because she's headlined before, and she's you know the numbers weren't too bad. But she's headlining against a girl that's zero and two in her last two and hasn't picked up a win since November twenty twenty. So on paper, I know it didn't play out quite like that, but on paper that shouldn't be a main event. This was this was always a layup for Dern. It was set up to be a layup for Dern. I mean, Jan Janan was the one who almost submitted herself. When she was by trying to fight Carla Esparza, like she's not a talented person wrestling or grappling. This was yeah. supposed to be a layup for Dern. This was supposed to get Mackenzie Dern a title shot. Let's yeah. be honest, and, and that's what it—that's what it was. And and you know, next week again, we'll go on to preview Alexa Grasso versus Vivian Arujo. For the second week in a row, we've got a girl that's ranked number five against a girl that's ranked number six. And I like Grasso Araujo. Like we, we've this. I think this is the third time the fight's been booked. I like the fight. I like both people in it. Uh, but there's only four fights on this whole card. Four fights so far, and we've got a few announced fights. And you know, looking, well, I mean, we'll go into that fight card a, yeah, a yeah. bit later. But it's yes, we're all we're all saying, ah, uh, you know, UFC 280, one of the most stat cards we've ever seen. UFC 281, one of the most stat cards we've ever seen. And yet you've got, yeah, UFC 282 in a couple of weeks' time, you've got Petian versus Sean O'Malley in a three-rounder. Mm. Are you trying to tell me that Petian versus Sean O'Malley in a five-round fight instead of Alexa Grasso versus Aruho, which would make a compelling co-main event across three rounds, are you trying to tell me that O'Malley and Yan wouldn't do more numbers than Grasso and Aruho? If but- that's what you're concerned about. That's the thing. We have so the the two tiers of UFC shows are now so far apart where they just need to fill a contract for ESPN. It doesn't matter how good the numbers are on ESPN. They just need to fulfill the contract. The only numbers that matters are pay-per-view numbers. So you see now stacked pay-per-view shows in every fight night. You and I this has actually been the theme of, of 2022. Every time that you and I are on it, just like this fight night kind of sucks. This fight night kind of sucks. This fight night kind of sucks. The pay-per-views look great. But that's I think this like massive two-tier thing. I don't love it because the way that you have the UFC spread in my life was really good fight night cards on like Spike TV as a young man. So I think having good quality cards is more important on free TV than on pay-per-view. If you're putting everything behind a paywall, this is again, becoming a rich person's sport. It's not spreading the way it's supposed to. 
yeah, I'm not wrong here, right? Like these these Apex shows are just a contract for ESPN. No, completely, and I completely yeah. agree with you. And yeah. but surely you'd you'd want the the fans to watch a really, you know, with the greatest respect to Mackenzie Dern and Yan Shanan, how many fighters, how many fans did they turn over from a casual that will just watch it to paying seventy dollars for the UFC two eighty? No, I mean, like none, like zero. I, I the same with Grasso and Aruha. How I mean, many of they? How many are they transition? Because I suppose with that fight night, it's slightly different because they're going to be pumping out the UFC 280 content this time next week, this time next week, this time next week, and you can sort yeah. of build up, up off, off of that. However, however, I'm looking down the UFC 280 card and I can see four fights on there that are more compelling main events than yeah. all of the, the than. Grasso versus Arujo. And again, it's no disrespect to Alexa Grasso and Vivian Arujo, but yes. it's just principle. Bilal Mohammed versus Sean Brady. Bilal Mohammed's already headlined before against Leon Edwards. Obviously, that didn't quite go to plan. And Sean Brady is undefeated. Yep. Caitlin Chikagian versus Manon Furo. That's Previously good. booked, Caitlin Chikagian's competed for a title before. And, you know, that is essentially finding the number one, the next uh, contender for Shevchenko. Benil Dayush and Mateus Gamma. Benil Dayush obviously supposed to be fighting Islam Makachev. I think that's probably on the card in case one of the guys fall out. And the same with Petty Yan and Sean O'Malley. One, if in case one of the guys fall out of the co-main event, they'll probably fill in for the co-main event. But we we can't be doing that. Even Nikita Krylov versus versus Vulcan Ozdemir. Vulcan Ozdemir, exactly. Yeah, that could be a main event. That's such a good fight. (laughs) Exactly, and you know, it's it's not. It, it's not that like this weekend, you know, we had Mackenzie Dern versus Yang Shanan. That's not a bad fight. It's a really good fight, and I'm glad that it was a main event because I'm glad that we saw both girls go five rounds. I think it's the first time that Yang Shanan has gone five rounds in the UFC or even been scheduled for five rounds in the UFC. Yeah, so it's the first time in her entire career that she's gone five rounds. And yeah, so it's the first time that she it's her first main event, and I thought she was really good in the in in the fight itself. Yeah, but, let's, let's, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and you know, Mackenzie Dern, I think that was her third main event, or her second main event, sorry. She uh, obviously lost to Marina Rodriguez uh, Mm. back in October of of last year. But it it does make you sort of question why why these guys, you know, aren't... How many people are going to transition from casual fan tuning in for a fight night to I'll pay $70 every other month? Or well, every month, it's every month, and you know we had two two seventy nine last month. We've got two eighty in a couple of weeks, and then it's not much of a gap between two eighty one. Then so hundred and forty odd dollars. I, I'm assuming the pay per views are going to be about seventy dollars each. They I've usually never, are. I've never paid. I don't know. <laughs> I assume so. I, I'm lucky enough to have BT Sport, so it kind of comes as, as as free, but yeah, or included in said subscription. But uh, you know, it, it's it's. It, you're asking a lot of people and not really giving them much back on these free ones. Yeah. You know, to the to the quote unquote casual fan, how many people you've probably heard of Mackenzie Dern because you've probably seen her beat Gabby Garcia. You've probably seen her pull off these crazy submissions. But who's heard of you no know, no disrespect, but who how many people have heard of Young Shanan? I think Next I'm her only fan. I like Young Shanan. I, I really like I was the only one on the MMA circle staff picks to pick her to beat Mackenzie Dern this weekend. <laughs> and uh, you know, We'll go into that fight now because I, yeah. I thought, yes, it was 25 minutes. Yes, it was quite grappling heavy. But for us to enjoy those grappling exchanges and understand a little bit more, of, again, the casual fan, don't put a grappler in, in the main event because the casual fan will lose interest in, in grappling. They want to see two people. They want to see Cyril Gann versus Taito Avassa every single Saturday night. Two big guys slogging it out. Mackenzie Dern is phenomenal grappler but the reason I picked her to lose is because she can't wrestle I said this time and again on this podcast she cannot yeah. wrestle and her wrestling uh, down in this one she she completed two of 11 takedowns and yes some of her transitions to get the fight to the ground were phenomenal mm. you know I think it was was it the second or third round when she sort of scooted on her butt to to get sort of corral uh yarn up against the cage and then and then managed to sort of almost pull her into a guard mm. but Across her UFC career, she's got an 11% takedown accuracy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. For someone that is so phenomenal on the ground, you've got a question. Why are you not 
you know, Jason Perillo has really, really helped Mackenzie Dern improve her stand-up game. Her boxing is decent. She needs to not back out with her chin all the way up in the air because someone, you know, a heavier hitter, you know, if Jessica Andrade, I can't remember what weight she's fighting at now because she fights, and she fought, I think she fought light heavyweight before Jessica Andrade, but if someone like Jessica Andrade lands on, on Mackenzie Dern with that chin up in the air, it's good night like, done. I mean, yeah, sure. You know, at the end of the day, she is backing out with her chin very high up in the air. Jan landed on a big time, a lot. Yeah. But uh, I think this fight really showed that Mackenzie Dern does deserve her place at the top of the division. And I'm glad to have seen her sort of get her career back on, not back on track, but on track because she came over from jujitsu, this phenom. But she's missed weight three times in her career. But on Friday, she looked absolutely shredded on the scales. Mm. She's For the past however many fights, it hasn't been a struggle for Dern to, to make the weight. Yeah, which is great, which is really nice to which see. Is, yeah, exactly. And, you know, she's getting fight of the nights. She's getting performance of the nights. And, and, and at one point, I did think she was going to get her second on the platter rear naked choke. You know, she got one against Montella De La Rosa in LFA or legacy fc uh in 2016 i'm sure everyone's seen the uh of course the video or, or at least just the photo it's delarosa's tangled up like a pretzel it's awful but i thought she was going to get the second one of them but yang shanan did really well on the floor which is ironic for someone that got absolutely battered on the floor by uh Carlos Plata. i think uh, this was like as close as you can get to like a ufc one ufc two ultimate styles of like this person barely has takedowns almost has no stand-up at all but has submissions versus a person with no ground game but some good stand-up but i think like yan janan switching to team alpha male she's improving more in her ground game than dern is improving in her stand-up game yeah i would argue like she's working off of her back she's defending submissions she was defending takedowns and then on the feet she was landing well i i don't see i don't think dern is improving too much with perillo i feel like perillo this is this is not one of the people perillo is so good and you see how he works with people he still needs to get dern of like don't cross your shoulders don't cross your feet keep your feet under you You know what I mean? we're still on like if she was coaching a wine mom's boxing class we'd be like oh this is a bit of a mess here <laughs> dern, what are yeah. you doing <laughs> and you know if you look at the people People that that Perillo has has coached. Yeah. You've got Marlon Vera, not a wrestler. Doesn't really look to take the fight to the floor ever. Mm. Michael Bisping, not a wrestler. Never looks to take takedown. Yeah. Luke Rockhold, I think, last fight didn't really look to wrestle all that much. But Rockhold had that wrestling base from AKA. Are we giving Perillo too many props for Mackenzie Dern because she has such a low, low level of striking <laughs> and now she has improved somewhat? She has, we, can't, we can't deny that her stand-up has improved, but it was amateurish when she first started. But she got by on the fact that she could just take everyone to the floor and absolutely dominate them on the floor. Yeah, maybe the thing with Jason Perillo is he can take a, 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 um, a journeyman striker and turn you into a masterclass striker, but you need a little bit of base there. Cause like the stuff you did with Bisping of like, I see your entire game. Here's how we're really just going to like perfect the jab and everything's going to work off the jab. You're already a good striker, but here's how we really perfect it. And that's what we've seen with it, that. What he's done with other strikers is it's like, you're already a good striker. We're just going to sharpen everything. But with Dern, he's just, I feel like he's like, here's how you how to put your feet down below you. <laughs> why, are, why are your feet everywhere when you're striking? Exactly. And I feel almost feel like, if I'm Mackenzie Dern, I up sticks and go to AKA because you have she needs to go. You have Khabib, who, let's be honest, his striking was, despite the knockdown on Connor, let's put that to the bed for a second. His striking was poor in comparison to the rest of the, the guy who knocked down Connor McGregor. Are you kidding me right now? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, let's be honest. His striking was his, without a doubt, poorest aspect of his game. Yes. Oh, yeah. But it didn't matter because he got every fight to the floor and killed everybody on the floor. Now, Mackenzie Dern, once she gets everyone to the floor, she pretty much kills everyone on the floor. It's getting people to the floor. She does, yeah. And, yeah. You know, Khabib had that kind of style where he waded forward and then managed to close the distance. Sort of that crash forward style, close the distance, get the fight to the floor. Mackenzie Dern needs that in her game because she's crashing forward, but she's not cutting off the cage and she's being tagged. And then Yan Shanan is, is circling out. And 
like I say, I'm not going to brag. I'm not going to tell you I told you so, but I am the only member of the, the staff that picked Young Shanan to win. Because I just think once you get so badly beaten, like she did against Carlo Esparza mm. in the takedown game, her takedown, she's going to have worked that for the Marina Rodriguez fight and especially for this Mackenzie Dern fight. And like you say, working with Team Alpha Male, Uriah Faber in her corner, she's only going to improve on that. And she's she's elite on the feet. We saw, you know, those sidekicks early doors in 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 the fight. The sidekicks, the strong, the strong, uh, strong hooks on, on Mackenzie Dern. Yes. And you know, at the end of the day, I think I I do think that Mackenzie Dern could have a title shot, but I just think that she's got such a there's such a big gap in between her striking and wrestling and her jujitsu that maybe they'll never quite meet. To where, you know, let's be honest. I think for her next camp, I don't know who she'll, you know, who, who she'll fight next. But I don't think she needs to train jujitsu. I'm looking down the division now. There's, there's, in my opinion, there is nobody that she cannot compete with on the floor. Right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. On the floor, no problem. No problem. And, you know, you you look at the the, the women's strawweight division. You've got Carla Esparza as a champion. She beats Carla Esparza on the floor. Nami Yunus would be a competitive fight on the floor, but I don't think she gets the Nami Yunus fight. Zhang Wiley is still, again, learning the wrestling game, as it were. You know, we saw her in her past two fights sort of ease towards that more wrestling-heavy game. But let's be honest, Mackenzie Dern's going to take a drop back in competition now, and it's it's difficult because she just fought... She's ranked number five. She just fought number six, lost to her, so they'll switch places, I imagine. She beat Tisha Torres. Amanda Lemos is booked. She's been beaten by Amanda Ribas, and I'm pretty sure she beat Janderoba. Um, yeah, she beat Jander Oba back in de- in December. I think yeah. you know Michelle Waterson's in in there, but I that's, that's probably the fight that happens next if Michelle Waterson continues to fight. But I have no interest in that whatsoever. I thought the same thing when I saw her on the. I don't know how she's still ranked. In all honesty, I, I like we all love you. We all we all love we all love her, Michelle Waterson. She doesn't deserve to be ranked in the top 15, but that is the fight that they're going to make next. No yeah. doubt about it. You know, let's be honest. She hasn't picked up a win since 2020. She hasn't got back-to-back wins since 2018. No. And she was submitted in her last fight. So maybe they, they sort of... They look to build Dern back up by getting a, a win over over Michelle Waterston, who, let's be honest, like you say, we all love her, we all respect her, and oh, she yeah. has a name in the division. Not mm-hmm. quite sure how she's still a name in the division, but she is a name in the divisions. <laughs> I think it, it's, it's a difficult one for sure, but I do think that, that Michelle Waterston is the, the next fight to make. And for Yang yep. Shanan, I think the UFC are putting all their hopes and prayers on Yang Wiley winning in New York and Amanda Lemosh upsetting... Marina Rodriguez, because if if Wang uh, if Zhang Wiley wins in New York and beats Carla Esparza, which you know I'm going to pick her to do, I'm going to say right now I'm going to pick her to do. Okay. It could potentially set up an all Chinese title fight in China between Yang Xiaonan and Zhang Wiley. However, that does seem harsh on Marina Rodriguez as she holds a win over Yang Xiaonan last time out. But she's booked against Amanda Lemos. So if Amanda Lemos beats from Marina Rodriguez, that kind of scratches her out of the title picture, promoting that all Chinese. You know, it, you, the UFC are hoping that everything kind of falls into place nicely. Yeah. Whether that will happen, I, I'm probably going to pick Marina Rodriguez to beat Amanda Lemos. I'm really high on Marina Rodriguez. And I think she's, she's quality. So she'd yeah. probably get the next title shot. But as far as numbers, you know, it's not the UFC isn't a fair business as far as numbers are concerned. Yang Yang Nan gets that next title shot. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's the word, right. I, I think the UFC would absolutely do that. I think that's actually not. It's not even of all the weird UFC like business over sport. That's not the worst one. That one's okay. <laughs> I don't mind that at all. That's yeah. actually fine. And then and the UFC tends not to do like. Um, at the top of the divisions, there's not like tournaments eliminating top contenders. The UFC almost always has two top contenders in every division. It's just kind of the way that they function. Because if Marina Rodriguez is, is, loses to Yan Janan or Yan Janan now loses, they just have one clear contender, all their eggs in one basket. They tend to have two contenders going at any one point. 
yeah, I think that's the right way to, to move forward. Uh, anything else on this card? Randy Brown picked up a win. He's always promising. He's always a prospect. He's just forever promising. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. He's, he's, for whatever reason, you know, I think Randy Brown's got a lot of big wins in his career, but I can only remember him having that crazy knockout loss to Nico Price when Nico yeah. hammerfisted him from the bottom while yeah. trapping his head in his ankle. It was crazy. But yeah, aside from that, Sadiq Yusuf, Obviously, he was. I think he was scheduled to fight Giga Chikad. Was it Giga Chikadze he was scheduled to meet? Yeah, um, in, in September, in you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and they brought in someone from outside of the UFC. Now, are you telling me that there was nobody ranked in the top fifteen of featherweight that could make weight on two weeks' notice? Yep, and there was, was no, and there was nobody in the UFC at featherweight yeah. who didn't have a fight. He had to fight Don. Every all the fans were like, "Let's get Don Shanus in there. We have to see this fight. We have and, to know." And look how that played out. I know. I mean, you know, it's it's the 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 Mayweather Pacquiao of our time, but <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, it didn't quite work out for uh, for Don Shanus, who I imagine will get another shot. But I, Man, I promise, like the people listening, we do actually like this sport. <laughs> <laughs> But let's move, let's move on. So this past weekend, we also had, let's do the preview. Let's cover off uh, Bellator, and then we'll cover what's going on this weekend because there's some fun stuff there. Uh, Bellator also happened. Patricio Pitbull defeated Adam Borix. This is a unanimous decision. Uh, what did you see on the big Bellator event? Tell me, tell me what you saw, how you feel, all that good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think Patricio to show that he's levels above the rest of the division other than AJ McKee, but AJ McKee's now moved up in weight. I think this fight was also... Sorry, this card was also kind of, you know, you're hoping that that Aaron Pico won, so he'd be pushed into that title picture. But oh man, I, I don't know what it is with Aaron Pico. He's been poorly matched in his first in his debut in New York. He was then poorly matched twice against Henry Quaz and Adam Borix, who are worlds ahead of him. As far as you know, <laughs> when he fought, I, just, I didn't realize when they when Adam uh, when uh, Aaron Pico fought Henry Corrales, Henry was sixteen and three, having <laughs> mostly fought you know having fought in Bellator a lot, including names Patrico Pitbull, Emmanuel Sanchez, and Daniel Strauss. Yes, he lost all those fights, but he's been in he's been in the the octagon with these guys yes i i honestly okay so aaron pico i know bellator knows how to build a prospect you know what i mean they find these guys who are just like part-timers for the prospects to beat up and build their name mvp aj mckee yeah they they have great up like they look good against opponents because bellator knows what they're doing i think it's actually aaron pico's management and training staff who's requesting these big fights because you remember how hype pico was by his training staff and management of like this kid is already better than anyone in the ufc he is making his debut he's already better than everyone i swear it's not bellator i think it's his, his team around him is giving him bad matchups uh, but he got a couple wins and then this was a I weird mean, weird it's, loss it's difficult isn't it because you match him with you know adam borix who knocked him out in the second round yeah who you know then fought for a title this weekend on the same card as him. Now, yes, he, he got pretty badly dominated by Patricio, but uh, Patricio, sorry, but they're worlds apart. And you know, I think this, unfortunately for Aaron Pico, I think this was the right step up, Jeremy Kennedy. To, to you know, it's it's so difficult because, like I say, I, I do think that this was the the right step up in competition from what he's been fighting at before. To who he's fought now, Jeremy Kennedy, probably the right caliber of opponent, and yet he just gets a shoulder injury. If I if I'm out, <laughs> I'm so frustrated. But you know, he's been knocked out twice in his career. He got choked out on his debut. He's now suffering from a shoulder injury. He's taken nothing away from his talent, but he's ten and four now. Yeah, if you're supposed to be the hottest ever ever prospect. Let's be honest, that's the way they were hyping him up ahead of that. Yeah. The best ever prospect. You know, he's trained, he's an, uh, an Olympic level wrestler. You know, he, he missed out on the trials. He's, he's an outstanding wrestler. He's training boxing with Freddie Roach and all this. Yeah. 
and in his first seven fights he picks up three losses is and his first you know his first 14 fights he's he's won 10 lost lost four in Bellator as well, who are notorious for, like you say, building MVP didn't get have a competitive fight, I think, until he fought Paul Daly. Yeah. AJ McKee pretty much breezed his way through Bellator. Yeah. You know, these guys are get, being given these potential prospects, James Gallagher as well, you know. Yes. Are potentially being given process and sometimes it does blow up in their face like we saw with Valerie Lareda who you know lost to Hannah Guy because she just wasn't ready Clarissa Shields in PFL they know how to build but then that didn't quite go to their plan either yeah it's, it's difficult because like you say Bellator are good at building prospects they will give you 10 bin men for every decent fight <laughs> you fight but yeah. <laughs> Aaron Pico needs to really knuckle down now I think and and you know this weekend aside because because you know a shoulder injury is a shoulder injury I, I'll be honest I haven't watched the the, the fights I, I haven't been able to to catch up on them but it's just difficult for, for Aaron Pico now you know he, he's in, he's fighting at featherweight when you've got he's nowhere near title level and there's so many people above him in the division that I think could probably beat him with relative ease well, so yeah, he, absolutely so I, I he needs to, you know I'm, I'm worried about like his his. He's only 26, which is young. But in combat sports years, he's he's wrestled the highest levels for like the last 10 years, and now doing MMA for five years or so. And now he's sustaining an injury of like is this? Are we seeing the end of Aaron Pico on scales as well? Every what Friday, Thursday or Friday, whenever Bellator choose to weigh in, he looks drawn out on the scales, and then. So See, then the I, argument I, is we'll move back up to lightweight because his debut was at lightweight. But then you've yeah. got AJ McKee in the co-main event at lightweight who toys with Aaron Pico. No, yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's, I think Spike Carlisle gives Aaron Pico a tough fight. <laughs> you know, and that was a, that was a, a fun fight. Crazy scorecard: 30-27, But you yeah. know, for Aaron Pico, I think. It, Unfortunately for Aaron Pico, I think he's in a division that is probably Bellator's strongest division in the featherweight division. Yeah. And then he can move up to lightweight, which is also a very strong division. So he's he's, he's stuck between a rock and a hard place at the moment in his career. But, you know, like I say, it's, 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 it's difficult for him because an injury can happen to anyone, that kind of an injury. But like you say, in combat sports years, he's 26 years old. In combat sports years, he's... 36, you know, he's been knocked yeah. out twice, choked unconscious on his debut, and now he's suffering a shoulder injury, which, you know, for someone that's 26 and supposedly in their prime, shouldn't really be happening. But, you know, it is what it is. They put so much stock into uh, to Pico. It should have been AJ McKee the whole time. It took it took them a long time to come around to like, oh, AJ McKee is super good. Holy shit. Like, he just kept winning and winning and winning, and they couldn't stop AJ McKee. And I think just last year they put the hard sell on AJ McKee, and it's paid off. He's the prospect. He is well. Yeah. He's twenty two. He's not really a prospect. He's he's a super great fighter, very good yeah, fighter. Sure. And, and his first fight up at lightweight now is you can build. You know, he's, he's one on one with um, Patricio, yeah. And now he can maybe go and, and fight Patricky for that for that lightweight belt, which is certainly exciting. Yeah, there's some good stuff going on. So let's get to this weekend's what's going on. We got some Eubank Jr. I'm going to cover off the um, Glory Collision quick because I forgot to cover it off. I'm flying down to cover it. Uh, Vader Hari versus Alistair Overeem is looking to cover off end their trilogy fight. There's also going to be, I think, four or five title fights on the Glory Collision card. We'll definitely be covering it all week. We've got some interviews coming up and all that good stuff. But Vader Hari versus Alistair Overeem 3. In 2022, it's only been 13 years since their last fight. <laughs> I was going to say, I know, I, I, I know, I, I know it was a long, long time ago, but I couldn't remember. It's been exactly. a minute, but yeah, just a 13 year break for each guy is not bad. And I'm, I, I don't want to paint. I don't want to paint it too much, but uh, Badar has been struggling f- to get a win for the last like two, three years. It's some just weird stuff. He's getting knocked out. He's getting dropped in most of his fights. Um, Overeem. So Glory has brought in some good drug testing, and then Overeem went to Thailand to do training. Uh, I won't elaborate <laughs> on what that might mean, but <laughs> I just. Do you think I, we'll get the return of Uberine this weekend or this? I, is it weekend? 
Yeah, it's this week. It's this Saturday it's, night. Or it's Saturday night. Yeah, I was going to say because they sometimes do midweek cards, don't they? Yeah. No, I genuinely think Uberim's going to be in there. He's back. He's flying in from Thailand to his yeah. home in the Netherlands. Yeah, and they, 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 there's a top contender. And they're like, no, the top contender needs to fight somebody else to earn it. I think they're trying to get like Overeem to fight Rico next year in 2023. I think that's the hype fight they want because they know Overeem doesn't have much time left. If they don't get him in a title fight, if he doesn't beat Botter and get a title fight, he's not going to be able to work his way up. But yeah, I don't know. 13 years on, these two guys are absolute legends. What's your thoughts on on that one? I'll be interested to see how Overeem fights because if you remember towards the latter end of his, his UFC career, he was much more movement-based. That lead hand was sort of out there looking to parry a lot more. And it, he looked a lot more to pop shot rather than to sit down on any punches, especially against um, Walt like, Harris. Rosenstruck and Walt, yeah. Walt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, it, you, you can't... <laughs> when you're that... Let's be honest, he's going to be big. He's going to be a big lad in there. <laughs> when you've got Badahari, who is a big guy as well, yeah, and you've got a much smaller area to, to operate in, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how... For, for me, do I want to see Overeem versus Rico next year? I might as well. It's going to be so hype. There's so much hype for it. I might have seen, seen Overeem knocked out too often. And I don't want to see him knocked out against Rico, but you know it is what it is. But I'd, the outcome of this fight for me it is what it is. But I'm, I am intrigued to see how Overeem fights. Yeah, and like you said, in kickboxing he was a clinch heavy fighter, and and Glory doesn't use K one rules; they use their own rules. So I'm not sure. I think he can do a one handed clinch and do one strike and then release, and that might be enough to win. Especially you know, I'm just looking down Balahari's record here. Obviously, he had he had the the that horrible arm injury against Rico years and years ago. Yeah, that sucked. And then you've got what, a no contest, a leg le- a, a leg injury against Rico. Yeah. And then a knockout loss. The, the the knockout loss and then the second knockout loss. So in fights that he was winning also, he was ahead in those fights and then got knocked out. Like it's it, this exactly. is and you got to ask always got to ask about Harry how switched on is he to to fighting or is he more switched on to having a fight with random people on the street in the, in the <laughs> audience in the in the crowd in a, in a was it a bank or something that he got arrested for when he's kind of walked in or a shop or something that he just walked in and just sort of just dropped the guy I for seemingly no reason <laughs> just just walked in punched him and kind of just walked out oh, okay. bank one there was the nightclub one there was like <laughs> there was like the yeah, I was gonna say when I say the one maybe <laughs> you should. See, this is what I'm saying. You shouldn't be able to name off multiple. That yeah. shouldn't be a thing, but it is what it is, okay. But let's but, move uh, forward. Let's look at the Eubank card, because that's a that's a really fun one. Eubank Jr. versus Ben. T- tell me a little bit more. Bring me up to date. I'm not I'm not a, 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 an expert on the boxing stuff, so make, make me an expert here. Tell me everything going on on this one. So, you know, obviously we've got the, the rivalry between the Ben and Eubank name, you know. Um, Nigel Ben and, and Chris Eubank, senior for twice right back in the day let me just have a quick look at when it was so they fought first time they fought 1980 sorry 1990 what then they they rematched three years later split draw so chris eubank tico nigel ben big swollen eye horrible horrible stoppage if you're if you're a nigel ben fan but it was pretty bitter the rivalry was pretty bitter and you know, it, this was around the time that you had Chris Eubank, Nigel Benn, uh, Steve Collins, and then towards the sort of latter stages of, uh, sorry, the early stages, like a Joe Calzaghe coming through at, at the time, but, you know, they never they never fought. But, you know, you then look at, should Chris Eubank have, have won that second fight? Should Nigel Benn have won that? It's a split draw. So, if we're being technical, you, the Eubank name is is still sort of one nil up against the the, the Ben name. Mm. Now, the thing is, these two guys are not the same weight. It's being contested at one fifty seven. Eubank Junior usually competes at one sixty eight, I believe. Okay. Well, what? Sorry, one sixty or one sixty? I think he's gone up as high as super middle. 
Connor Ben usually competes down down I think it's I welterweight the boxing boxing confuses me with the weights but I think it's welterweight so Connor Ben competes at yeah so Connor Ben competes at 147 Chris Eubank competes at 160 to 168 let's say right Connor Ben's undefeated 21 and 0 and it's a really good run of form he uh, he struggled against Cedric Pernard back in 2017 and then knocked him out in there uh, and then finished it, sorry and then beat him in their in their rematch mm-hmm. after that you know Samuel Vargas first round TKO Chris Algieri fourth round uh, finish Chris Van Heerden second round finish okay but Eubank Jr has only lost twice to Billy Joe Saunders and George Groves both Good. of those by decision both of those phenomenal fighters It's going to be a war, and I am very excited. I think Chris Eubank Jr. has just got too much as far as high-level experience is concerned. Mm. I think Eubank Jr. is really, really... And he said, look, if, if you beat me, I'll retire. I can't, you know, I can't lose to you. Mm. Which is interesting, because it's not that clear a fight, in my opinion, that... That that kind of you know it's not a given that Eubank Junior wins. He's the favourite going into it, mm-hmm. but it's not a given that he wins. Conor Ben is a ferocious hitter, and the only thing that I think that might let Conor Ben down is is his gas tank because he will go in there and look to. He, he said, "Look, if there's a if there's a opening, I'll take it." I think he'll go in there looking for the knockout from the first minute, and with someone. Like Chris Eubank Jr., who said that he only needs to be at sixty percent to beat Conor Ben. Obviously, these are just mind games, and he's just trying to get in his head. But mm. I think with someone who's elusive, as elusive as Chris Eubank Jr., it's going to be tough to just land on him and get it done and get it out of the way early. So it might go late, and I think Eubank Jr. maybe takes over late and gets a decision win. But it's, I'm fascinated by this. I can't wait to listen to all the breakdowns this week, and I'll be watching on on Saturday night. It's it's insane that this is a second generation rivalry. That stuff that and at the level where it matters as well. They, yeah. They're not just like some amateur and they're just like putting it together because they need to. This is at the highest level, second generation. That's insane. That never happens. This is this is like the impossibility of this and it being relevant to the current scene. This is so cool. This <laughs> actually, yeah. Awesome. yeah. I mean, technically, the <laughs> I completely agree. And you know, these two guys—they're not just two journeymen who happen to be. You know, Eubank and Ben's sons are these two four and two pay per views back in the day. While that you two just have a quick, you know, whatever. The fight itself doesn't make sense. It doesn't do much for either man aside from their purses. You know, neither man is going to move up in their respective divisions with a win over each other. But like you say, these two guys are at the top of the pinnacle of the sport within reason. You know, they're, they're probably the rung below or maybe one below that of top top world title level Chris Eubank Jr. has fought for a world title before um, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense but then again it does because why not born you know they're pitching it as born rivals I'm not even convinced that these two guys were born when the, the, the first fight happened 1980 you know Chris Eubank was born in 80, 89 and Conor Ben's younger than him so he's born in yeah Conor Ben's the same age as me born in 96 so these guys weren't even born when their dad's first fought, and yet they're fighting now, it's really it's really fun. But it's disappointing in a way. Nigel Ben's obviously slightly more involved with Connor, mm. but Chris Eubank Senior doesn't really want to get involved with Chris with this fight at all, which is a shame. But it is what it is. Yeah, you want it to be like family versus family. You want to feel like legacy, and I think they built it up in that way. Still, even if it's you know we're selling a boxing card, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it's gonna be exciting. I like the hype up for it already. That talk around it is good. That's some prime yeah, stuff. I'm really excited for it, and I'll be uh, tuning on Saturday night to watch it without a doubt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's in the right time zone, so we're all good on that. And then something that we'll definitely not be staying up for, Vivian Araujo versus Alexa Grasso, arguably for maybe one of the top contender positions in that weight class. Uh, maybe Manon Ferro is, is more relevant to the weight class. I don't know. But like, this is the thing. It's a main event, and we're like, I don't know what this is for. Yeah. It's sure. an okay fight. There's yeah. four... It's- I think this is, yeah, I think this is for a shot at a number one contender fight. So it's almost like a number 
number three contender fight. You know, it's, it's an interesting one. There are some good fights down the card. Obviously, Grasso Arujo, I think, is a really good fight. Not a main event fight. It is, it is a good fight. It is not a main event fight. Rafael Sensao returns. Man, he is past his prime. He is searching for a win since 2018, but it is what it is. Askar Askarov versus Brandon Roybal. Really good fight. Yep. Nick Maximov and Jacob Malkoon. That's an exciting one. And Neil Magny versus Daniel Rodriguez. Daniel Rodriguez only fought, what, two, three weeks ago, and he's already back fighting. You know, he fought on the 10th of September, and now he's fighting on the 8th of, uh, 15th of October. Why not, you know? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> oh. Right, okay. You're looking at the wrong one? <laughs> no, we're breaking down this card. It's not yeah. this weekend, is it? No, it's not this weekend. We have a weekend off. This right. is the 15th of October. This oh, well, stay tuned for our expert coverage. <laughs> we are so far that. off of it. I got completely confused. But anyway, we'll, we'll do a brief breakdown and then maybe we'll do a bit of a mailbag next week and, and go into a little bit more detail on this. But yeah, there are some good fights on this card. But ultimately, you've got Mike Jackson fighting on this card, which tells you all you need to know about the card. I can't believe Mike Jackson is still in the UFC. He's got to win. He got to win last time out by disqualification, but he got to win. <laughs> the goat, man. We can't. We can't. We can't. We can't. <laughs> he might be on the show one day. Like he's he's a media member who fights. Or okay, we'll, we'll we'll let we'll give him a free pass this week. But <laughs> next week we're right back. In, in, next week when we do a proper breakdown of the cards, he's getting it. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we need to cover off before we head out of here? I think that's pretty much it. Like I said, guys, next week, me and Tim, all over the place. Tim said, it, you know, obviously he'll be at Glory this weekend, which I hope is this weekend. It's not like next month because we're all over the place with dates. But, you know, we haven't got a UFC card this weekend, so it'll be a big breakdown of Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr., big breakdown of the Glory uh, kickboxing card this weekend. And, uh, yeah, Drop you can drop a couple of comments in the uh, in the comment section, or, or get in touch with us on you know we'll post it out on Instagram, post it out on Twitter, and you know you tell us what to talk about next week because me and Tim could talk about absolutely anything combat sports for at least an hour every Monday. So yeah, be sure to uh, just just let us know what you want to hear, and uh, we'll we'll chat shit about it next week. That's right. <laughs> thanks so much, Fraser from Tim Wheaton, Fraser Cron. Everybody, so good. Thanks so much. Nice one, mate.